A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is November 19th, 2019. My name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by professional podcast host, Zanger. Howdy. And the titular, Mando Russ. Hello, welcome. <laughs> it's so exciting. Welcome to Mando Cast One. Uh, I'm your host, Mando Russ. I am joined by Zach Eleven Eighty Eight, the Droid. Beep boop beep. <laughs> I don't. I don't know and how to do the voice. <laughs> thank you, Eleven Eighty Eight, and of course the trusty Blurg Zanger. Hello, Blurg. Beep boop. <laughs> Every character in the Mandalorian just makes beep boop sounds. No, thank you for having me in a very, very fond to everyone out there tonight. Oh boy, Ross, we can't get into that now. Like there's there's so much it's weird. In the last two weeks, there's been more Star Wars news than possibly in the last six months combined. Yeah, it's been a fun was, time. Has been a lot. Was was anybody prepared for McClunky? I don't know how you could be. I mean, at this point, we shouldn't be surprised. But, I mean, of all the things to pull out in just a rollout. And I saw it from you first. And I was so happy to hear. <laughs> I uh, Disney has known about this for seven years, yet it never <laughs> leaked out. Like, that's astonishing that that was sitting there and nobody leaked that to the press or somehow. Like, that's... I Maybe. find that mind-boggling. Look, I know you love marketing. Maybe they were saying, look, we can't have a making fun of the serious new thing. Let's put a meme out there for them, and then they can love the other thing sincerely. Just a marketing angle. Maybe. Maybe. It has to be something all right when it comes to Disney. Uh, but it's it's well, that's what's weird. Show up even the Knights of Vader Facebook group. We were talking about McClunky, like as it was happening in real time. And and somebody had a good point being like, they kind of undermined their rollout of the Mandalorian because for a few hours that dominated the conversation online. Cause everyone's like, Oh no, it's happening again. It's like, how is, how is this possible? Who let this happen? Who's letting George Lucas near the editing bay still. And then like, we got a bunch of unofficial reports, which are still kind of, I, I think they did corroborate it, but it was kind of like not, it was unofficial, Official corroboration of like, oh, Lucas did this back in the like the beginning of the decade, and it's just been collecting dust ever since. Maybe it's like his rosebud, like this is his final stamp he's going to put on it, and we're going to be talking about this for decades. I can only hope there's other landmines <laughs> in the rest of the other six films that like no one's uncovered yet. There's got to be something in like I don't know, Attack of the Clones about sand where Lucas like finally got fed up with people making fun of that, or Anakin yelling "Yippee!" in the Phantom Menace. There's got to be some more gems in there that just no one's found yet. 
We can only hope. Indeed, Sanger. But yes, McClunky to all out there. We wish you a happy, a uh, belated life day. Uh, yes, happy, happy life day. All these Wookiees are enjoying life day. We will spare that clip this week. Just know all the Wookiees are enjoying this life day. The Wookiees head to the West this week. <laughs> For life day. For a life day. All right. But again, there's a bunch of stuff. I know today there was some Rise of Skywalker stuff, but we're not going to get into that because I think we're getting into the point now, the marketing, where there's going to be a bunch of stuff showing up in the TV spots, which I have no clue how spoilery it will be. But I know in years past, anytime I see a TV spot online or on television, I always kind of like look the other way until it's over. So and I think we kind of set our final piece on the Rise of Skywalker. Um, At this point, the movie's out in a month, so let's just yeah, yeah. Let's just I'll wait. Say, I watched that TV spot, and I really I couldn't. It, it, it happened. Everything happens so fast, and there's it, 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 there's nothing much to glean from it. I was just like, I'm not going to bother with some guy. I'm sure there are many videos of people breaking it down for hours and hours. It's just at this point, why? Let's just go in and enjoy ourselves. Yeah, especially if the movie comes out in roughly 30 days from now, give or take. So. uh with that being said, let's delve into the Mandalorian. Actually, oh. actually, I want to take a moment real quick um, just to point out a few things, if, if that's oh. okay. Um, oh, for a I guess if someone doesn't want stuff spoiled but still wants to listen to a quick part of the episode, um, I guess you want to go around real quick and say if we recommend this, yay, nay? Well, I was, well, was going to do that anyway. But, but then uh, I was going to fill the uh, time after that with a quick discussion about the um, – other trailer that got released recently that I feel I need to speak about real quick. Oh, jeez, Louise. Okay, Zanger, get let's let's rip the Sonic Band-Aid off right now. All right. So first, um, Mandalorian first two episodes. You guys, yay or nay on it? No, no, oh, no, no, Zanger. Let's let's do the Sonic thing first. Let's make them. Earn yeah. Right wait, wait, wait. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, if you are listening to this, you need to go see this movie. And the reason is, I, I am agreeing with, with with the whole internet thing of they they actually listened to our dumb opinions and did something right, and that's why we should go see this. But I am very excited. I love the new design. It still looks weird, but it looks weird in a fun way. So I am actually very excited about this movie. I am very happy that poor um, Jim Carrey's back will not be thrown out for having to carry the weight of this movie just on his own shoulders. <laughs> so I am excited about this redesign. I am very impressed with what they've done. And I, I actually am very excited to go see this in theaters now. Like, be- like out of, I want to see this as opposed to, I want to see a train wreck happen in real time. Okay, I'll be honest with you, Zanger. I had completely forgotten that Jim Carrey had anything to do with this it, it, until you said that. It's been so much about that change to animation, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I heard. I I don't know. I'm not. I don't know how I'm comparing this. Maybe I heard it on Cinemodities, but this seems like one of those moments, like snakes on a plane, to me, where a movie listened to people and. And and everyone was like, all right. And the movie guys were like, yeah, it's going great. They're giving us input. And then when it comes out, people go, yeah, never mind. We didn't want to see it anyway. And it just seems like it was awesome. Except nobody okay, saw but it. It, it, it completely bombed. It, but they, they thought that like they were going to take all this input from the internet and they're going to have Samuel L. Jackson say this. And like everyone's so engaged. And by the time it came out, it was like, yeah, we don't really care. I have a feeling this lesson is going to be learned again with this. I, yeah. I think I think we're going to have fun with it. 
I well, the issue comes down to it's it's a numbers game. Like I think what was the thing I posted in the Facebook group? They add what thirty million dollars to the budget. Yeah. It's the idea of like a Sonic live action movie has a finite number of people who will pay to go see it. By increasing the budget by thirty million dollars, you also it's not just simply okay. We have to get thirty million dollars worth of more tickets sold. No, there's a lot more to it than that. And it's like, are you really going to increase your audience? Like if someone's inclined to see a Sonic movie, are they really going to be like, is that it's like, you're either on board for the Sonic movie or you're not. They could have put it out as it was and just taken the heat at the time. And I think they would have maybe broken even this, this is so drawn out now. And when is it? This is coming out soon, right? I think February. Oh, February. Oh, they're waiting until all the dust clears after all the, the holiday season. Well, plus they need more time great, to work on this. I'll it's work a great on Valentine's Day. It is a good take, time. Take, it, take your date. This is a good time when those surprise movies do hit you. Remember uh, Deadpool hit on yeah. Valentine's Day, and that it really worked. I know I went and saw it uh, on Valentine's Day. Isn't, isn't Bond coming out like that weekend? Oh, I just want a new Bond. You could take the kids to this one. I don't know. Like, I, also, that's we- uh, I just found out something about like us complaining constantly about Fallen Order's um, weirdly proportioned lightsaber. I just figured oh. out why. Okay. So, do you okay. want me to reveal that now or wait till Wait, later? Why? Uh, is, he a, is he a little guy and it's just a normal lightsaber? Yes, actually, yes. Russ is 100% correct. He's actually Yoda-sized. He's pygmy wow. Jedi. No, I'll, I'll actually say that. Just, just remind me for my moment of Zang. Okay, we'll save it for the end. If you, do, if you don't want to know Jedi Fallen Order trivia, do not uh, skip ahead. Well, it's or something in the first that. 10 minutes. Like, I just had the first 10. While we were um, <laughs> pre-show, I had that on. And um, to honor my constant habit of doing other stuff than focusing on the podcast, it was still on the background. And it kind of showed why it's it's weirdly long. Uh all right, well, 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 we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, so Mandalorian uh, now, yeah, we, we yes. can get to it. Yes, like Zenger said, good old Mandalorian. Uh, going around the room, Zenger, which, again, no spoilers just yet, but I think if you're listening to this, you know what you're getting yourself involved with. You've been uh, warned. I talked about Sonic, so that was your warning. There you go. Zenger, would you recommend the Mandalorian, yes or no? Hell yeah. Russ? Yes, a thousand times yes. We're gonna get that all night, aren't we? No, I, I'll, I'll knock it off because he's not. No, it. no, I like it. He's better. He's better than Django, mate. He's it's so good, and I cannot wait to talk about this. This is a, this is a big deal for Star Wars. I feel the release of this and just the way it is. I yeah, let's go. All right, in my opinion, is uh, sure. And I'll uh, yeah, it's yes, but I'll get yeah, he's sure. It's it's you won't be bored. That's my that's my nutshell reaction. All right, spoilers, breaking into The Mandalorian. Who wants to uh, pick up the ball and run with it? Who wants to highlight the first thing? Do you want to highlight the character, the story, just how it looks? Or do we go um, straight to the nugget of Baby Yoda? (laughs) Is it it Baby Yoda? We don't know his species. That's the only thing we can call it. Is it actually Yoda? Because there is time travel. There is time travel in Star Wars. Well, let's talk about let's talk about how it like you know what did you guys think of the whole great cowboy intro going in there and taking care of Squidhead and all them and then getting the first bounty which how did you feel I I gotta know because I thought 
it jarred me a little, but I got on board eventually. What did you think of his the first real speaking character, the the mythos or whatever that alien is called that he uh, wrangles in the first scene? I okay. Too Star Trekky? No, no, and I'm I am irritated that, that he does make uh, the Star Wars special canon technically. Oh, uh, by mentioning Life Day, yeah, he on mentions ship? Life Day. No, he makes Life Day canon. He doesn't make the holiday special canon. Oh wow! I figured you guys were gonna like just drag me over the coals with that fact. So I've got okay. Go ahead, Zanger. So I've I've got I've got it, that okay. Go ahead, Zanger. So the opening to the show, um, I I want to say it now because I will forget the the um not choreography the um the sound the the soundtrack the um just the music that they have in the background of this show is sure so iconic already off of just two episodes like off of episode one I was like this feels Star Warsy but yet so different that it's it's that it has become its own thing already like that's that's I I'm I'm sorry I I am gonna be gushing over this 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 show as of right now because good I I loved it. Like this is the most excited I've been about something. <laughs> like seeing something Star Wars probably since I want to say Rogue One, maybe. Uh, look, I'll say about the music that there are def- definitely different choices. It's not it. It's not something we're used to. But they, some of the moments, like when he lands on the planet where he eventually meets Ugnot Nick Nolte and fights the Blurgs <laughs> and all that. But when he is landing on that planet, the music is a mix of the also the sounds of the ship, and it's the sound of the ship is making a beat, but it's also part of the soundtrack at times. Just really gr- great moments like that and i will say i've been able to pick this apart because i i you know you can all say i don't know how many times you guys have watched it especially the first episodes i watched it by myself as soon as it came out that day mm-hmm. but then I, I had to show the kids the two younger kids to give you all the kid report and what they think so a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old i mean a six-year-old and a 14-year-old all sat and we're completely blown away by it. And I have actually like fired my house up again about Star Wars because of this. My, they cannot wait till the next episode comes out. Every day, my uh, my middle son, he's not. He is uh, completely into it. He loves it. He's starting to speculate. He's like, being a bounty hunter, it'd be it. It's like high risk, high reward. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, like it. I'll just say that that's kind of what's going on with like our viewing of it. That it's be, it's. I love it how much it's kind of gotten over with my house. It's it's weird. Uh, my house, it's with the Star Wars fans that exist in my house. Um, Ellie Ellie really enjoyed it. Um, she's only watched episode one. She will get to episode two. She said soon. Uh, I did tell Christina. her she loved I, one. She hasn't watched two yet because I'm not forcing it. Though I will admit, um, Quinn did spoil the. Um, <laughs> Spoil something for her. <laughs> I love and that. And Ellie went, What are you it? talking about? And That's I'm no like, such thing. Quinn, go in the other room, please. Because <laughs> she went, Oh, the baby show. Yes. That's, and uh, watching episode two with my youngest, I mean, he's six, but he's still, he's a sweet kid. He's a boy. He's a guy, boy named Alex. And uh, the whole episode, he could not stop himself going, He's so adorable. Look, mm-hmm. he's so cute. It's just like, he, I was like, Hey, shut up. We're trying to watch it. But <laughs> this has, this has hooked in the Disney crowd, I think. I 
think they did a really good job of what it, they wanted Disney to accomplish crowds. with this. This this hooked at me. That thing is everyone. Oh, it is, and it, it's it's kind of weird, Zach. Have you seen the people that will constantly comment like, "Oh, I love the show and everything," but I'll just let you know right now, I would die for Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's there's a lot of basic people out there. Well said. I, th- I think we're All getting right. a little ahead of ourselves, though. All right, may I, may I rain a little bit on the parade? No, okay, I guess. No, please do, please do. I I, I love your 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 uh, your thoughts my, on these. My my trademark. Uh, let's uh, rain on the parade. See what happens to the to the audience. Let's get Zinger angry. No, I'm just gonna make. No, oh, I like honesty, and like I, I'm honestly in love with it. But I know there's Zach out there, and I. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, no, no, no. I, no, I I, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. It's absolutely necessary. All right, I I want to go a little bit just through my thing. And for the, I know a lot of times on this podcast, I kind of try to look at more of the societal perspective. And I'm not going to do that that much when it comes to Mandalorian. I'm reviewing at least what we have now. Just uh, for me, it's going to be a very subject, uh, subjective opinion. So um, when this, I watched this the first day, like 9 a.m. Whatever day Disney Plus started, what the 12th of November, and as I was watching it. Um, I I was getting. Oh my god, that was that was only a week ago. Jeez, I know it feels like like oh my, it feels like an eternity ago. I've watched Um, so much Simpsons. That that has a wrong aspect ratio. Yeah, but you know what? It, it's there, and it's easy to click. And I'm, I'm, you know I've what? actually been, I've been, I've been going between Star Wars and Simpsons myself. Same, Banger. same, Much same here. Yesterday. And I will say this about the aspect ratio change: it really makes me pay attention because I'm like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> oh, boy, all right. So, Mandalorian. I watched it, the first episode, and it was, it genuinely terrified me. Like it terrified it me out of my. What's that? How, you mean how good it was? It just terrified no, you. No. So good. Well, okay. Why me? It terrified me. It's it's in the very specific sense to how I things I don't like about Star Wars in the Disney era. Oh, I no. was watching it and it felt like an encapsulation of the Force Awakens in the sense of everything why I dislike that film. In that everything is just hitting you over the head of this is Star Wars. This is Star Wars. And it's just it just moves so briskly at times that I'm like, can can I savor this for like a second? Nope, we're already going somewhere else. And then like, oh, call back, call back, Easter egg, Easter egg. <gasps> Remember this? It, it was doing that Force Awakens thing. Like even and I know like like you guys mentioned the the little the blue headed guy with the Life Day. Oh, I guess I'm not gonna make it back home for Life Day. And I started screaming F you at the TV. I'm like, F you. That you don't just sit there. And then even when he sits there, shocks the giant uh, dinosaur monster trying to eat his ship. I'm like, oh, that's the holiday special because that's what Boba Fett did. And then we have him talking to Nick Nolte Ugnot, And it's like, I've heard you people used to ride dinosaurs. And I'm like, God, I, I, I was genuine. At that point, folks, I was writing the Knights of Vader suicide note. I was doing it. I'm like, if this is the future of Aww. Star Wars, which is what it is, the Mandalorian is the future of Star Wars. Folks, we are at the tail end of the transition period, or we're tor- we're, we're, we've crossed the point of no return of it. I'm like, th- if this is what Star Wars is going to be, I want no parts of it. Like, they can have it. If they want to do this to it, it's their right. They, they've earned the right to ruin it. Like I've told people a hundred times now, Disney will destroy Star Wars. It's inevitable. They will destroy it only because it's in their nature to destroy these sort of things. But if this is what it is, I'm not going down with the ship. And even, again, everything kind of drove me nuts about that first episode. Like, I was genuinely terrified. 
Like even the stupid little like door knocker comes out and it has the same little chime that Jabba's did. And it's like, well, I guess that's just the generic chime that you when you knock on a door in Star Wars. Apparently there's a Star Wars Lowe's and you can just buy them off the shelf. Every single little chime goes, I thought you'd Rafiki, and that's it. Apparently every single one does it. It's not just unique to Jabba. Even the carbon freezing. I would have thought like, oh, when Vader wants to capture Luke, they had to, it was really kind of like a Rube Goldberg job. They had to kind of think outside the box to capture Luke. Nope. That's what all Mandalorians do. They all capture their bounties in, in, in carbon freezing. It's like, no. It's like, no, I want no parts of this. I hate this. And the pacing of it so briskly done, I could not. Like, something's just constantly happening every literally second. Then I'm like, can we please can, can I enjoy this? It kind of feels like I was somebody's like shoving a McDonald's quarter pounder down my throat and be like, you like this. And as I'm trying to swallow the entire like sandwich in one bite, someone's like pouring like a big gulp of like Coke down my throat. <laughs> and it's like, I'm choking. I'm not going to choke on the burger. I'm going to choke on the drink. Like I'm like, I'm not surviving this. And I'm like, no, and then the baby Yoda thing happened. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I, that's been one of the, like any star Wars fan knows one of the biggest quote unquote mysteries of star Wars is that Yoda's race or species has never been labeled. And then, like, the fact that we go immediately into that, and like Russ predicted, we have the cliffhanger. I was like, no. I thought I that. No, no, Russ is the one that said we couldn't do the first episode because we thought it was going to be a cliffhanger. I swore I said that. You both said it. You both are very insightful. You're both very I'll give it to you. Look, I'll say this. We said it together. We were hands. Zach, I love your perspective on things. You do actually bring things back to really, like, actually critically eye in it. But I will say, yeah, that was very briskly paced in the beginning. And I kind of get it. There, This is like, we need the hook. We need to go. But I, I enjoyed it. And I, there's almost, it's, it's hard to find that line between fan service or we're making this look like star Wars by, and it does overstep, you know, the door, the door knocker was a little much. I, I did like the gonk droid, but it's, it's a difference between, you know, putting it in the universe we know and just fan service. It's like anything you could say is fan service. Like, Oh, he's walking and saying it's fan service. It's not, I, and I get where you're coming from, but I think some people do. I mean, you, you have seen the reaction. I know, you know, that it seems like, you're like a kind of the one percent and i'm not at all as a knock on you but like a lot of fans seem to really enjoy it would you oh, agree clear. yeah no, no. I, okay i should concede that i'm the minority here and not even like oh. a, a like i am the minuscule minority like no i like and that's okay i'm glad you brought it up ross and I'll, i'm gonna be quiet folks because my like, uh, the second episode no, no, it, i like you should be saying your opinion your opinion is real and and people need to hear well, it that, i definitely do too oh. People also don't like, again, raining on their parade because the thing, okay, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, is that the reason why this podcast exists or the reason why the Star Wars Junk podcast existed was I, it drove me up a freaking wall back, especially the beginning of 2016 and the beginning of 2017. And it's going to sound strange saying this, folks. It's going to sound so strange, but let me say it and I'll explain the context behind it. Was I was sick of the narrative going on in just entertainment, media, social media, that everything about Star Wars was the greatest thing ever. And I know that sounds shocking now in retrospect, but. Go back in time to January 2016 and January 2017 of Star Wars. Oh, I'm sorry, on the calendar. Everything was just 
I, it was this it was this weird pattern after Force Awakens the re, when the reviews came out before it got released every single headline or I'm sorry every tweet was best Star Wars since Empire and at the time I'm like great I'm on board then I watched the Force Awakens and it's like no this is somebody who doesn't understand why Star Wars works on a, on a mass appeal level then Rogue One comes out and I love Rogue One but the exact same headlines best Star Wars since uh, since Empire. And it's like, oh my god, it's just it's recycled, regurgitated headlines. And then when that was happening in early 2017, I'm like, no, somebody needs to be objective about Star Wars. All like, and I love Rogue One, but it's not perfect. <laughs> somebody needs to be the objective voice here. And I do think that's why this podcast resonates. Like, I know I get I get not a ton of messages, but I do get messages from people being like, oh, I'm so like, I love your podcast. I listen to a bunch of Star Wars like fan media, and you really bring something unique to the table. And by you, I don't mean just me. I mean the group here, whether it be Ross Zanger, Jim, Rob. We do bring something unique to the table that not we don't just fawn over star wars like every other podcast does or the majority of them so when i saw the mandalorian headlines like yes it's great that we're not just dog for once we weren't just dogpiling on how awful the last jedi is like yes i was very thankful for that but these headlines of the mandalorian is what star wars should be and yes that was just on the first episode no, Star Wars. And I, again, I'm going to push back on Russ said. I don't mind the fan service. Like Rogue One is fan service, the movie, but it fits because it's set in a time where the fan service makes sense. Like, why does again, Russ? You know all the action figure names for the characters. Who's our Who's our sure. character from A New Hope that rats out Luke and Obi Wan? What's his name? What's his action figure uh, name? Garindan. Oh, he doesn't have an action figure name like uh, Snaggletooth or no. I think he's always just been Grindin or uh, yeah, yeah. He's not he's not Squidhead or anything. You're talking about the guy who 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 we get to see. Yes, we get to see him uh, play a little flute and call a ship. But that was right after Squidhead. He's from Star Wars. He got killed. We we thought (laughs) I I remember this very specifically because I love the. Well, this is Squidhead. He's from Star Wars. And when we saw this is Squidhead from Star Wars, uh, it, I remember, I remember our uh, our like speculation, and you were like, "Yeah," and that's when he trapped him and he interrogates him right there. And it was like, as you're watching it, you're like, "No, it, the door cut him in half." Yeah, yeah. Which was very cool. And I remember uh, watching this with my wife, and and she looked at me and was like, "I thought this was Disney." I'm like, "Well, it's still Star Wars." She's like, "But this is Disney." I'm like. <laughs> well, it, yes, but it's it, it, then it got into a. Con- I was like, just watch, let's just watch the show. We'll start, <laughs> this is not important right now. Honey, gotta watch Star Wars. Russ, Russ is like, we gotta watch the kids every time they go in now the front door now to make sure nobody gets bisected. <laughs> but no, okay, Russ, right. out the door. They're already on Spider Man, so seeing like him do Spider Man like moves to them, like uh, they really love the Mandalorian so far. Okay, but the point I was trying to get to with with our friend, whatever his name is, Garinda or whatever, is that like it's that instant fan service that's just there. It's like again, I know a lot of people complain with the sequel trilogy that every alien is what the Abegno, like that what the very specific one that we see everywhere in the Last Jedi, um, in Force yeah, the, Awakens, the, the Beastie yeah. Boys. Yes, exactly. Uh, that. 
but like immediately we have that character calling a speeder and i know it's the same species it's not the same guy it's not like he got uh, uh, what's the word relocated from the desert to the snow planet it's like i get that but it's it's all of it when you just keep shoveling layers on top of it and the thing that kind of made me again probably put me in a bad mood and i concede folks i'm being very grouchy about this in my opinion does do a 180 with the second episode also um, i'm going to point this out if you think that this is the um the festivus episode I understand why you might be checking your podcast right now and being like, this is the Festivus episode already? Kind of early. Oh, folks, I've got some fantastic fan- uh, Festivus topics lined up. It's going to be glorious this year. Um, but no, like I think the thing that kind of ticked me off the most is the the, the holiday special references. Because I know John Favreau's going out there like, I'd love to make a holiday special. And it's like, no. It's like, please, like folks, I'm letting you know now, if they ever <laughs> try doing an official holiday special... I will. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shoot the podcast execution style, and that's it. That's it. Like the podcast ends if they ever infringe directly on the holiday special. The holiday special is one of those weird, bizarre things, not just in Star Wars, but in the annals of pop culture. It's you can't touch it because it's radioactive. It's the Chernobyl no, I... of media. You don't touch it. And Disney wants to build a goddamn theme park on top of it. It's like no. You don't go near the holiday special and the references in this, like it's like nobody like ninety-nine percent of the people who are watching The Mandalorian, the first episode, have no clue what the blue head guy's talking about with Life Day. They're not. Right. And and the problem is that the, the 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 sliver of people that have no idea what Life Day is type it into Wikipedia and then say, Oh, the Star Wars holiday special, what's that? They'll watch the holiday special and then complain about how awful it is. It's like see this is realizing it is the unique piece of just bizarro art that somehow exists. See, I don't Favreau won't there's, there's no chance they'll ever make another holiday special, but I think this is just Favreau throwing up his holiday special flag because let's be honest. Fabro is a hipster. This dude wrote Swingers. He directed it. He acted in it. He will forever be a hipster, no matter what he's doing. Comic book, uh, musically, and Star Wars. The most hipster thing is to love that Star Wars special and, and the holiday special. And you know, of course, we love it too for different reasons. But he has to fly that flag, and he he got it out of his system definitely in that first episode. Because if you know it, you're like, yeah, he's got the gun. He's apps the monster. He rides a thing, of course. We have but, to make reference to it. Uh, Life Day. I think he got it all out in that first episode. Were there any references in the second one? Not well. The second episode. Okay, I, I don't want to jump the gun, but I. What's that? I, I don't think you. There are many more you can make in a in a sane way to fit oh, it in. The, oh yes, they could. They could. They threw in every Boba Fett. A holiday special reference they could They even have the part with Mick Nolte Ugnot being like oh I hear Mandalorians ride dinosaurs And I'm like again folks my blood Pressure I was furious <laughs> I'm like well, leave it Alone stop ironically I like that scene for Character development no, I, I did li- too I liked, I liked how he called him out And he's like your ancestors riding the Mythosaur you can't even ride Z- Blurg Zanger come on But <laughs> 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 but like again, I again I, what I'm trying to get at, folks, is that like I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater here. What I'm trying to say is that like do the exact same thing, but sh- keep your references at a minimum. The furthest extent of the holiday special in this should be his rifle with the the forked 
tip. That should be the furthest extent of the holiday special or your references. Keep your references subtle. Like I know uh, John Justice, friend of the show, author of Embark to Treasure and Darkness, picked it up on Amazon. He was sending me pictures of the, the Imperial scientist comes out and he has this insignia on his shoulder, which is apparently from like the Clone Wars 2008 series for the cloning division on Kamino. Like Ooh. that. That's, that's a, a very cool reference. That is that's, a very and I, you said Chris pointed that out. No, John Justice. Okay, well I've seen Chris actually. Chris Porteous, oh, yeah, uh, okay. the 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 eighth or ninth worst Star Wars collector from Canada. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw I saw actually saw him referencing that same thing, uh, putting someone in their place somewhere on Facebook, and I was like, the little fist pump, you know, honk the horn, whatever. But. Yeah, that is a weird, that is a cool little detail. And I will say the show did start to slow down after this. I mean, you did, it, it, it packed a big punch in the beginning. And this punch definitely hit Zach in places we won't talk about on here. This is this, I could, I can just hear that this was a rough start, but I do feel like the show did good, do a good job of, of slowing down after that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was on board the entire time. I am and the end of war. <laughs> the Folklorian or the yeah. Folklorians of the, the all of the the I actual oh, the, you the, get the all spin. the kids. You, I did you guys really expect that the heat there would be more than just the Mandalorian in this? That part shocked me so much that we were actually seeing Mandalore. Yeah, Folklore. <laughs> are you mean Mandalore? Are you are you saying Mandalore as in the planet or as in just like a play the, the on? Lore. No, just okay. the lore. lore of the, the Mandalore. All right, the Mandalorians. Mando's lore. My favorite character is the Mandalorian. Um, now, did you notice her? Um, did you notice the uh, the 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 Femandalorian who was forging? <laughs> did you notice her helmet? Did you, I notice this? And I did you notice her her, her 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 Mando helmet had horns on it, like our boy yeah. Darth Maul. Now, didn't didn't Darth Maul run some kind of Mandalorians <laughs> at some point, like Black Sun or something like that sure in the Clone Wars? I'm pretty well, sure let's he check ran the... the lore on that Mandalorian. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure... oh God, I'm pretty sure Man uh, Darth Maul ran the country, or I'm sorry, the planet for like a weekend. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like a very brief well, time that like, he ran the entire he's got planet. A, he's got one huge thing or something. He's got... He has one huge fan who happens to make our boys uh, pauldrons or whatever, like melting down Baskar. That was cool lore too. I like the uh, armor lore. Again, I have no problems with that. Like that's the sort of stuff that's fine. I just think it's extremely coincidental that the same place where the bar he goes and hangs out also has a uh, smelting facility for Mandalorian armor. I'm like, that's awfully convenient, but, but fine. If, but if this bar and if this area is big with guilds of like um guilds and everything for bounty hunting don't you think the mandalorians would have like a outpost there for their people sure all known for that sure zach i just think you're hating the hate right now and i am not gonna allow that on this podcast no, i'm not I'm ever not, positive i'm ever not, positive on this on this hold show. on hold on continue <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not hate. Like I said, my, my folks, when you get to my uh, my opinions on the second episode, you're gonna wonder if I'm the same person. Uh, no, I can't. Wondering right that, now. 
No, it's just the fact that that first episode really it was like it, it did the Force Awakens thing, which seems to be there. It's now setting a pattern that when they don't know what to do out of the gate, that's what they're going to rely on. They're going to rely on just the the tried and true tropes of Star Wars of just taking the nostalgia club and just whacking you across the head with it until you're just uh, oh god, you're you're happy in a uh, some sort of just days. And I'll take I, that. <laughs> And that's why you're the problem. It's 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 that notion, and and they haven't. It's not that they haven't learned anything. It's the problem that people are eating it up. It's the same reason why. As much as I complain about Marvel, I don't blame Marvel. I blame everybody else for following, trying to uh, emulate Marvel. And it's like, no, let Marvel be Marvel. Like it works for them. They're a fluke, and that's what I was afraid of with the Mandalorian. But three days later, when we got our second episode. I was pleasantly surprised as to what happens in that episode, but I don't want to jump the gun. If you guys have more you want to say about the first one, don't let me uh, uh, kind of just walk all over you. Well, I no, just wanted I'm, to say I'm actually hold on. I'm just worried that Zanger is going to stick a crayon up your nose at some point. So I just <laughs> want to say Zanger and and Zach, if you get together, please Zanger, leave him be. Yeah, it's he, he's he's got a good point in some things. <laughs> no, Thank you, Ross. Not not this thing, but some things. Okay. No, I was gonna say if if it's this Bill had Post it, Paxton, you fools. If if this ep, if this first episode had a um had a in atmosphere star destroyer, I think I would have exploded like on the spot from just my excitement. Just saying, I I I understand that there was some pre empire, but but that's the thing they could still have. Star Destroyers. I mean, there's still stormtroopers and stuff, and we see more later. So I'm I'm very excited for what this. I I was excited. Yes, there was some fan pandering, but I felt it was, I felt it was sort of a slap on the, on, on like the cheek as opposed to a punch in the face that like the movies have done. And and yes, it does fade away as time goes on. I think they just had that in there to kind of get people on board that might not be as. Amp yeah. like some people were, so that's that's kind of. I'm I'm not saying Zach's wrong. I'm just kind of coming to the defense of something I like did not realize I was going to enjoy this much. Uh, it it worked too. I will say, like like I said, it it you know I don't push stars on my kids, but I'm like just at least give it a chance. And they love Mandalorian so far, and we can kind of go on with it. Like get to the point. So there's the IG robot, right? The, the, we'll get to that. It, it, what did you? What did, I want to know what Zach thought of uh, IG Eleven showing up. That was one of my favorite moments where he's like, "Oh God, bounty droids." We already have established the dude doesn't like droids, which we'll we, find we out on that at some point. Oh, oh my gosh, no, the Separatist. That's all the flashbacks. <laughs> it's to the Separatist attacking. Wait, he be too That's no, that's what I thought too. That it was. Um, no, nah, he would he would fit. We don't know how old he is. I guess uh, I I figured it was. I think she's aged differently. Planet. Zach, you probably know more about the Mandalore, but it, didn't the Mandalorians kind of get it from the Empire, the droids, and the Jedi's? Like pretty much throughout history, like uh, no matter who they're facing, they kind of took it. I again, I, I can only I don't know how much went on in the books or the comics during that time period. Um, I, I know from the TV shows was that Mandalore was always tumultuous because again, was in, as we've referenced, Darth Maul kind of uh, controlled the planet for a weekend. And then you had <laughs> then then you have the it was they, a holiday they, weekend. Well, plus the Mandalore thing hasn't been resolved either because that's going to be the last arc or the last uh, whatever it is of the Clone War saved because that's the whole thing. Nickley was uh, the Ahsoka book covers it. 
No, no, it doesn't. It, it, it hints at what happens, but it does not cover it. No, because I thought you covered it. Nope, because that's that's the final that's the final battle of of the Clone Wars in in Ahsoka story. Because I I told you I think I've gone through this a few times on here. Was that Dave Filoni cowboy hat man was at like celebration in like 2016, and he was telling actually Eckstein, and it's like the whole thing that happens to Ahsoka and Rex at the end of the Clone Wars is that the two of them have. Maul cornered and order 66 happens at that exact moment and Ahsoka and Rex have to make a decision let Maul escape and survive as they survive or capture Maul and die in the process and they decide you know what let's live the f- we can always capture Maul another day let's live and fight that battle and that's your final arc of the Clone Wars folks that's that's how the really? Clone Wars end yeah. yes that's how I always thought that was actually covered in the book though it's hinted at. It's 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 hinted at. It's like oh, like she'll say things in the book that are I, like she'll reference the events. It's mentioned in Rebels. I know that they that it is very obvious that Maul and her know each other. But us as the viewers are like, how do they know each other? Yeah. And then it's I think referenced once or twice something about Mandalore, and everyone's like, oh. But then we have the Mandalore stuff in Rebels too, where you have with with Ezra and Sabine and the the clan of Ren, and they kill Gar Saxon, who was like the warlord of Mandalore toward the end of uh, Rebels. And yes, no, like we this don't is, know. So this yes, is some update Bo- Mandalore. This is Bobo Rigmi's revenge. Oh boy, it's odd the things that resonate on this podcast. That's that's the thing that's fun about this. Like most podcasts have their one or two kind of like tropes that the fans can rally around. We're just like scatter shots. Like pick whatever you want. We have something for everybody. Uh, but- <laughs> 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 Glad Zinger's enjoying all this. Uh, uh, what was your point, Russ? I kind of forget. Oh, I I I, I was asking. Look, yeah. I wanted to know what you thought about IG-8811, and yeah, the whole, I mean, this is very, this whole show is very video game, if I'm going to be honest. I mean, there's upgrades, there's side missions, there's the main mission, there's looking tutorials. over the camp, at, there's a tutorial, there's a bunch of NPCs sitting in front of a place, and you get to scope it out before you go, <laughs> and then a cutscene with IG-11. Oh, okay, my, okay. We skipped over the hero of this uh, show, but okay. We'll get to him. He's not going anywhere. You might. Okay, I agree with Ross. Like, yes, it was cool. Like, you see him sitting there while he's, what, scoping out the uh, the encampment of the pirates, smugglers, whatever you want to call them. And he sees IG-88 walk up, and he goes, like, oh, no, like, assassin droid. It's, like, going to mess up everything. It's like, okay, that's cute. And then we get down there, and the IG-88... Action sequence is great and folks I'm calling The character that because it's IG-88 They could have made this IG-88 they deliberately Did not because of what happens Well yeah again that's That's the only reason why and The whole time like and that's Neat folks like I, I have to concede Something <laughs> is, as IG-88 So beloved we cannot bear to see That happen no, I think no I think it's just I think I think the lore of IG-88 was that he was somehow independent, and uh, he had his own years and years of Mandalore to himself. So I think <laughs> I, they're just like, just put, I just make it another guy, give him an extra bandolier strap or something, and uh, a thermal detonator in his chest. Well, that that's... he does not hesitate to use. <laughs> well, okay, getting How back. How did I po- live this long? 
The thing though with IG88 is that watching him and the Mandalorian fight together, it's it's. I think I've mentioned it in the past. I, I've said to Jim, it's like when everybody complains about how much they hate Attack of the Clones. I'm like, can you not remember the first time watching Attack of the Clones in 2002 and seeing the Battle of Geonosis, the first Battle of the Clone Wars, and being like, wow. Like when Obi-Wan's like if you're if you're a kid in nineteen seventy-seven watching Star Wars and you hear Obi-Wan just mention the Clone Wars in passing, and then how many years later you see the the first battle, and I don't care how much you hate Attack of the Clones, and we got one of them on the call right now, is that that battle, the first time you're watching it, is genuinely spectacular as a Star Wars fan. Because up until that point every time. Yeah, up until that point in Star Wars, we had never gotten a battle of that scope before. Or at least a, a land battle. All right. And I will say this if you before you go, Zinger, on Disney Plus now, if you look at any of the Star Wars movies, if you go to extras, there are great extras for all of the films, almost like Blu-ray extras. And for Attack of the Clones, you can watch an entire subplot about Kiati Mundi going to a droid attack ship from the Coliseum, but none of the none of the 3D is rendered. It's just them on ramps and it's <laughs> tons tons of footage from that battle it, it looks completely terrible it's so great it go watch that extra for episode two on disney plus it's amazing but well, go on and, and crap on it singer okay so zach what you want me to do is sit here and think back to the first time i watched star wars and think of that scene no i should think back to it. i just want to do the spectacle of it the kind of the idea okay. of okay hold on i'm gonna do that who is Sifo DS. I uh, can't get past it. Can't get past. Oh it. boy. No, but the point I'm making is that, like, you, and I didn't get to really kind of make my comparison. Is that you think of that moment? You have Obi Wan saying the the phrase, like, uh, or Luke saying, "Oh, so you fought in the Clone Wars?" And then you fought how my many father years... in the Clone Wars. There you go. I don't and know then why how many British. <laughs> British Luke? Yes, I the classic Mark Hamill. <laughs> Right there, <laughs> but then you think about it and you see the Battle of Geonosis, and it's like, wow, this is what it was. You get to see like the full potential of the of the uh, what it could be realized. And then I had a very similar experience watching the uh, the fight between IG eighty eight and not Boba Fett against just the smugglers. It's like you think back to the Empire Strikes Back, and yes, I was not born in by 1980 to see that in theaters but as a kid watching the empire strikes back and you see all the bounty hunters on the bridge of the superstar destroyer and they just kind of and they're all just kind of sitting there because for the most part they're props especially ig88 and then you fast forward almost 40 years and you get to see this droid that in 1980 was just this static prop probably glued to the to the set floor and you're seeing all this and it's great like it's it's a nifty thing seeing the technology finally catching up to the imagination of it all and that's great yeah. i love that but ig88's head his head was part of the cantina in the, in the original Star Wars, and we got to eventually see him become a droid. We've just watched him grow up on screen, and I'm just so happy for him right now. <laughs> but no, but that's the sort of stuff that if you are going to do a show like this it, under the guise of what the first episode was going for, because again, I, my opinion does shift gears by the second one. That's the sort of stuff you got to really enhance and flesh out the universe. And again, having IG. 11 be a carbon copy of ig88 
is not ideal for me. I'd rather have it be a new bounty hunter character. But I, again, like Russ and Zenger have said, you got to sell the nostalgia. You got to you got to pander to get people on board with your first episode. Um, remember, folks, I I understand that. I concede that. But that's the sort of thing I want. Again, if you're, it's the Rogue One dilemma, not dilemma, but the Rogue One thing that, that perfected. Like, if you're going to have fan service, make it fan service that at least fits into the world. Like, why are Red Leader and Gold Leader in Rogue One? Because fan service, but at least they fit in properly because it makes sense for them being there at that specific time. Same thing goes for IG-11. Of course, an IG bounty hunting droid would be sent after this precious bounty that's worth a fortune because everybody wants it. Perfect. That's what I I want. I'll say the Carbonite, and people have done backflips to make this work, but the fact that Han Solo was so prominently featured in Jabba's Palace for what we know is at least a year or maybe two that bounty hunters kind of thought that was, oh, look at that. You can carbonite a guy and you can just keep him. And Boba Fett's already a legend. And all those bounty hunters saw that in Jabba's. And maybe it just became a thing where they were just, you know, this is five years after the like, yeah, if you could, we could just do that. We don't have to deal with these guys sneaking around our ship, you know, talking about molting in our first ever Star Wars toilet. Get to see the no, first ever Star no, Wars toilet. Nope, nope. I nope, that's not right. In Rebels, there's an episode of Rebels where we see Agent Callus in his quarters and we see a Star Wars toilet. Uh, well, we already saw Vader's isolation chamber, so I mean if our imaginations we could <laughs> maybe break up that. We, Who knows? We, we can put two and two together, Russ. Yeah, I mean, what else is he doing in there? Right. <laughs> no, but like uh, that's that's kind of my thing with this, is it's 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 fine. Like the first episode, that is. Like that's just. I get it, Ross. What you're saying when it comes to the idea of how much of it is. Oh, like you said, that's clever. That's a clever rationale as to why uh, not Boba Fett is carbon freezing people in his ship. I get that, but when it, but you also have to look at it under the lens of we're in the real world. The only reason why the Mandalorian has a portable carbon freezing chamber is because mouth breathers will recognize it as star Wars. Uh, you're right. You're That's, right. Yeah, again, right. Just because something, makes some sense of them in think universe. that George Lucas, some of them think that George Lucas is in that fourth slab, that guy with the beard, which he might, be it great. might be. It, it, yeah. It would be great. There's like a, a Greedo. There's a female, there's a George Lucas, there's some other guy, and then there's Horatio Sands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's like I said. Uh, and then I, again, the giant 800 pound gorilla in the room, Baby Yoda. Yeah, Baby Yoda. Well, uh, I was I was genuinely shocked that they went there with it, and it, I was almost not surprised. I was like, well. This is Star Wars, the Force. If you think about every series, every movie, everything, the Force is always a character in this. It 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 just it's Star Wars. Even in Solo, it shows up at the very end. But this is our this is this is the connection of the Force. The Mandalorian is a bit more probably important than it, as far as the will of the Force and and destiny and all that than we thought. And that's what shocked me. I did not expect that. Neither did I. Like, I was pleasantly surprised, and I had heard about, you know, oh, because we had discussed on here on one of the, like, predictions that there was going to be a kid tagging along, and you know what? I'm on board if it's that little kid floating around in that little egg thing. 
but we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that in episode two. Also, Russ, I just wa- had the um, Star Wars Attack of the Clones deleted scene on in the background on mute. Oh, it's great, right? Oh no, you have to have it on mute because if you have the sound on it, like <laughs> it, it is, it is seriously like the like train wreck of the century. And I know what they're trying to do just to show stuff, but good god, like there's like it's all, It looks like a video. Cutouts. It's like. A- there's like a video game cutaway to the droids. And it's the same one every time. They're like, Kieran Mundy's leading a charge. And it's like, look out! And it's the same. It's like one really weird super battle droid with a bunch of droids around it. It's the same animation each time. And it's like a five-minute thing, right, Zinger? Yeah. No, I also wanted to point out this. Um, so there's the part where... Um, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Uh, Dreadlocks. Jedi. Um, Kit Fisto. Yeah, Kit Fisto does the force push. The two droids, they're, they they get force pushed into episode one. Because that's from episode <laughs> yes. one. Yes, they push him into Naboo. <laughs> he pushes them so far. And then, is that, Zach, you gotta check it out. <laughs> These are, but that's all. Okay, you guys are making fun of it. But it's it's animatics. What you do it, it is, 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 it, is. It, it is. And it was great to watch it on mute. It was well, great yeah. to watch it on mute. <laughs> Like I want to just finish the subplot, it, it, but it, it's a lot of fun that they actually put that out there. I, I love yeah. stuff like, that. and I love I episode two. That was that out there. I've probably seen episode two in the theater more than any other Star Wars film, and I'll say that because that's what, that's that's fascinating. That's a fascinating you know, my wife, statement. My wife and I started dating around the time, and that just became our movie. But we just how like, did you get the past the Sifo Diaz like story subplot? Like, I, did you have to go back to try to figure it out? I was checking super, I was checking out supershadow.com. I was looking for any clue I got. We, we needed to know this. And I every I figured if I kept going, I'd find a clue here and there. But I, I think it was really just uh, Sonic Charges that kept bringing us back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so on board for the Baby Yoda thing. It was a great reveal at the end of the episode. Um, to Because it's like a, wait, what? Because it also, also the the whole him turning on the other bounty hunter, and is 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 he really gone? Is is IG Eleven gone? No, he comes back because there's footage and trailers of him uh, talking to the Mandalorian, so he'll be back. Is I I feel like I've seen him blown away stormtroopers in something. Yeah, he could have been cut strangely. Yeah, he's pretty sure up again. Because that's that's the thing I was wondering. Was because I'm like he blew him away so quick, and that thing is like in all the marketing. Yeah, like, oh, and my really son up there. My son today is so excited. Uh, he looks and goes, "Wait, who's that lady? We haven't even seen her yet." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right." And my kids love, and I'm sure everyone pointed out that when they shoot the door open, it looks like a piece of bread. And they, that's <laughs> they, they call it the bread door. That's their favorite part. I'm like, what's your favorite part? Is like when he when he shoots the bread door. And I'm like, yes, I know what you mean, the bread door. But that's the part so that's really game. that. But that's it, I don't think that's video gaming. I think that's cool. Like the idea is. of having it's the silhouette, having the silhouette of not Boba Fett and not IG88 come like walking in and, you, and it's all dark in the room and you see the light coming through that's a fantastic visual and i get it, it. You, can't, you can't have that for everything i can see that you can't not every moment can be iconic cuz then it deprives it, it because it eventually is kind of lower the bar but it's that's the sort of stuff that resonates like give these characters their own like breathing space cuz every time you throw in nostalgia 
you're choking the new elements from having their like time to shine. And that's, that's kind of my concern. You're, you're cheating the future for the sake of the past. And it's like, no, the past had its time. It had its chance to, to, to succeed or fail. It either did one or the other. Again, let the past die. It had its moment. Let the new stuff have its 15 minutes of fame. And that's why I do enjoy, I, I did enjoy certain parts of the first episode. That whole ending bit is really great, and I, I like the IG Eleven character when he's he's just very he talks very casually to Mandalorian. Of course, it amps up a little when he's negotiating, but I like the idea of well, I get my um, reputation credits for this, and that that's I... how that the system is that deep. And it, 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 of course, it makes you think of video games because video games thought about all that stuff and was like, well, how would it actually work? But when he's talking to him at the very end and, and mentioning, you know, we can say it, and they, you know, we're talking about blasting in. They, they find the fifty-year-old target they're looking for, and there it is. And I loved IG 11s you know, just, just, just his, his, his lines then, where he said, "Well, not all, uh, not all uh, species age the same." Like it, it, it got, he got very much a character, so much more than I love that whole scene. Yeah, like I said, I, I. I, again, I, I, I like certain aspects of this. I didn't. Again, the portions that I hate are the same ones that I hate from the Force Awakens. Um, but there's a lot. Of, there's more. There's more here I like than the uh, Force Awakens. I would by no means say this is uh, worse than Force Awakens. It's just it has some of the nasty habits. I wish they would have kicked after four years. Oh, uh, another. Yeah. I, I want to point this out. Another line that I really enjoyed. Ellie actually laughed at it. And everything was the um, was the it's four against one, and then his response of "I like those odds" during yeah. the stand. Yeah. I, I, and, and that that's that's very much a a Mandalorian thing to say, a but, badass thing to say in in a scene. Well, that was part. Okay, that okay. I'm glad you brought that up because that was another problem I have with this is that the first episode it's he's not even a character; he's just badass man. Like he doesn't really do anything but just be badass, and like that's what all the marketing was. Like the marketing for this thing is just him being badass over and over again, and that's another weird thing that Disney's just. I, I don't get their marketing. I I love love to figure out who's deciding the marketing plans for this because they're doing it for everything. It's not just it's Star Wars, whether it be Marvel, Frozen, everything now is just let's show spectacle. And we're not going to tell you a single thing about the plot. And I, I clearly their market research is telling them that's the way to do things because there's no other explanation for it, none whatsoever. Because they're doing it with every single property. But like maybe uh, that's a hook. Like maybe we should like start talking about episode two because I, if you want to talk about you know going from looking so invincible to looking very beatable really quickly. Uh, episode two, I, I I really enjoyed it too, and I, I appreciated how it it's kind of slowed the story down a lot. I I okay. Well, I was watching the first episode. I think I've made it abundantly clear. I kind of hated it, and then when the second episode started, like I said, folks, I was loading the the bullet into the revolver. Like I was, like, <laughs> the, po the podcast was on its knees. It was about it was going to die after like you look. Okay, this, the second episode's thirty minutes long. It's like all right, Knights of Vader podcast. You're gonna live or die by the end of this. <laughs> And I, I'm watching it, and I was shocked by how fantastic it was. Like, by the end of the episode, 
I was convinced that a completely different creative team was behind this. And I know, well, I know different I, director. Okay, that, so that doesn't no oh. no no. Okay, well, well pause. Baloney. Pause, pause. I got to explain something. When it comes to, I know that's been everybody. I've I've talked to a few people about this, and they keep pointing to the fact that it's a different director. I get that, folks. It's abundantly clear. But the problem is, is that with any sort of TV show, or whether it be streaming, uh, uh, like a a Breaking Bad on cable, Game of Thrones, the you have the showrunners. And that's what Benioff and Wise were for Game of Thrones. That's what what, what uh, Vince Gilligan for Breaking Bad is that is that he was the sure, one who was in charge. Yeah, yeah. The showrunner is the one that controls everything. And in the case of the Mandalorian, that is Cowboy Hat Man and Favreau. Favreau and Filoni are making the decisions. <laughs> the director is there just to make sure that nobody lights the craft services table on fire. The director <laughs> is essentially just making sure everything's going to plan. They are kind That's of okay. the supervisor. They're not the boss. And I feel like that first episode was just to give Filoni that uh, live action director credit, which he has long sought after. And he got with that first. And I was actually surprised that he was the director of the first episode on paper, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess they had to. But I don't. The thing, though, is that the second episode is such a hard left turn from everything that the first episode sets up. And that's why I, again, I posted this in the Knights of Vader Facebook group. It's the element that the Nutma Star Wars is starting to cling to now when it comes to the Mandalorian. Is that, oh, he goes from being the best ba- bounty hunter in the galaxy in the first episode to being a guy that can't even beat a bunch of Jawas. And I get that complaint when you look at them too when you look at them concurrently, because you can't have a bounty hunter that's going to take on four stormtroopers at once, and then is stupid enough that his ship does not have any sort of security protocol that can stop Maybe Jawas from doing. It. <laughs> I, I, I Maybe it to, did, and they were able to disable it. Then you should have had a scene of that happening. Then, but in this in this high paced, I mean, episode after episode, stuff after stuff. I mean, they couldn't have taken what a thirty three minute. Oh wait, they definitely could have <laughs> put that in. It might Uh-oh. be his own hubris too. Uh, if you think, yeah, he does think he is pretty invincible, and maybe he he might have been through a lot of stuff. We don't know how common Jawas are. I mean, he knows what they are, but I don't. Maybe he didn't. He knows enough here. to terribly speak the language, apparently. Which that <laughs> I, I thought that that's true. Serious. No, well, well, yeah. Again, okay. I I, I don't I think want people compl- need to trade with them. I think that's a language that, like, if you're on a planet with them, you kind of do need to understand them in in some way. Yeah, sure. Especially if you're in that kind of like world of like the criminal underbelly of Star Wars. No, the second thing, like, I have no problems. The second episode, like, yes, there are some really goofy, weird things that happen. Like, the Mandalorian has this uh, baby that's this giant prize. Uh, the Imperial Remnant's gonna pay him an entire like armor's worth of what? What would they call it? The Be- Beskian armor? Yeah, yeah, Beskian yeah. armor. Beskar. Beskar, excuse Beskar. me, thank you. Beskar. Now, like I, Beskar I've, actually heard, I've actually heard now, it, it was uh, Werner Hasag who told him that he had a Contana of Beskar. Now, what he's talking about, the, the amount he has, I have heard is the amount that Wilro Hood, that ice cream machine man, that, that what he held is what he's talking about. It, it's a very weirdly deep reference to the ice cream machine that that's the amount of best car he has. 
if if that's the sort of deep cut references they're doing that even I can't put them together, then by all that's means, what go. They're, that, it is, and and Bravo Vince Gilligan or whatever who you say, Bravo uh, whoever Favreau and ha- Cowboy Hatman. If that's the sort of references they want to do that you kind of have to like think about it for a half an hour, then by all means, please, I'd rather have that over the door knocker. Uh, but 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 no, the Mandalorian <laughs> door knocker was fine. No, no, get out, get out, Jagger, get out. God dang it, get out. Much like much like Russ's new cat, get out and please don't come back. Um, um, uh, no, get out of here. <laughs> no, but like he does do some dumb things in this The Mandalorian. Like he he's captured this prize of Baby Yoda, and yet he's walking around in a completely exposed like terrain and he's keeping the little door on the the egg carriage open it's like why why wouldn't you keep that shut because so you people have don't to know. see the baby you have to see that cuteness you got, got it. it okay yeah okay i'm gonna I say think this he appreciates the cuteness too yes i i'm gonna say this i don't care how much hate i get for this there is one glaring issue with with the episode two that should have had the jetson speeder sound every time it moved Oh yeah! Oh, that would be great. <laughs> All right, Zanger, fair point. You're back on. You're back on the podcast. You're back in. Yes, yes. We're letting him back in. He's earned the right to come back in, right, Russ? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I'm picturing a little a little baby Yoda going off to uh, whatever Galactic Middle, little, wherever little, that little Elroy little went. Dipper. Little Dipper. Little Dipper. Yes. There how, you go. how do I know that? Why do you know that? Such a weird, specific piece of trivia. I'm gonna double check that. Actually, no, you're at 100 percent right. That, that's a weird one, though. Zach. Like, so, somewhere there's like a bar trivia night you're gonna go to in a couple of years, and you're gonna save the team on that one question alone. No, they're gonna ask what school did Judy go to, and he's gonna be Little Dipper, and they're like that was where Elroy went. No. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Uh, you're out of the trivia club, Zanger. Or you're out of the team. You're off the trivia team. Okay, but the point being is that like there's this there's some weird things that he does, considering that he's the greatest bounty hunter of all time that he kind of just overlooks, like keeping the baby's carriage open, not like locking the like locking the door on a ship. Uh, like I said, things like that, which are fine. Like again, I, I love I love the second episode. I thought it was great. Like I love that he gets knocked down a few pegs, quite literally in one sequence. I like probably one of my favorite all time now sequences in Star Wars is the idea of having a character picking off Jawas with disintegration rounds. <laughs> like that's fantastic. Like whoever thought of that idea, like that's the sort of new novel ideas I want in Star Wars. Like that's great. Like, like again, imagine seeing concept art of not Boba Fett. With the holiday special rifle disintegrating Jawas that are pillaging a ship. That's great. Like that's that's a stand up and applause moment. This this was a moment long awaited. The second that Django Fett was even a rumor, everyone was like, "We are finally, finally <clears throat> going to see disintegrations. No disintegrations. Yes, disintegrations, but we never did until now." And I like. That it's a round that you have to reload in a gun, like almost like a Zam vessel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, just like Zam vessel. Um, I never thought it that makes TV those bandoliers it. look. Everyone's got bandoliers. We Chewie loves them. IG eleven and eighty eight love. Them. Everyone loves them. Everyone has ammo. We never see anyone ever, hardly ever, 
loading ammunition in their weapon with any kind of success for any reason. And it was nice to see it actually used. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Again, that's that's yeah, it's like. I mean, he is like the Deadpool of Star Wars, or Deadpool is the Boba Fett of that, where he's got ammo all over him. And it, uh, yeah, let's see it used. Answer the question I asked myself it's Orbit High School. <laughs> also, the city they live in is Orbit City. Did not know that. So, tune in next week for um, more uh, Jetsons podcast here on um, yeah, Knights of Vader. Okay, to write about Bedrock. <laughs> uh, don't, uh, don't don't get into that whole chestnut. Another time, another time. Uh, but yeah, no. Like going into more of the episode two, uh, the fact that he has, he's trying to scale the sand crawler while it's in like full like maximum speed. Yeah, like that. That was great. And watching all the little Jawas like peek out of the different things, and, and like, some of them stun him. Some of them don't fare so well. He rips one of them out and it hits the ground at like fifty miles per hour. And then even the whole thing that he's trying to scale the side of it with his little uh, uh, grapple gun. And then he eventually gets up there and they, they, God, what, a dozen of them tase him all at once until he falls off the side of that thing. And he falls, what, like, like 20, 30 feet onto the hard ground all while the, the baby Yoda, Yoda carriage is chasing after them. That's great. Like, that's fantastic. Like, that's yep. that's the sort of thing that I would never have thought I wanted in Star Wars, and they gave it to me. Like, that's, again, bravo, Cowboy Hat Man. Bravo. Yeah, and, and it had already kind of set up that his armor was a little more than we thought. When he takes his armor pieces off, there's all kind of wiring, and those things are, are working on some kind of different scale. It's not just armor on them. So I think when they... when the, when the shot job, a few times. The yeah, the Jawa weapons are pretty much set to to mess up droids. I mean, that's their primary function. They're but ion shots. His, his his armor is almost like some kind of droid apparatus on him. Like his armor is powered by something else, and we we don't quite know yet. But when they put that 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 shoulder piece on him, made of the best car, you can see that there's circuitry underneath. He has to fix his chest plate in this, and when they shock him, you can definitely see it looks like Luke getting shocked almost because all that circuitry he has on him is just all malfunctions at once. It's well, great. Well, I love that scene. I I I enjoyed the whole thing in episode one and two where he was like having to sit there and repair his armor. You know, like he he wasn't like a he's portrayed as like this indestructible like force of nature bounty hunter but it's like when he's not in battle he's having to do all this prep all this maintenance to keep himself at like fighting perfection exactly and i like that the whole force tease of him cleaning his own wound Uh, this might be another star wars first i don't ever recall anyone having to do almost a a Rambo hot knife to the arm scene. It wasn't that, of course, extreme, but him having to fix his own wound and... uh, I feel like that was in something else somewhere. Our new friend, Baby Yoda, tries to help out, and we know what he's trying to do. We know what you want to do, Baby Yoda, but Mandalorian doesn't understand. He puts him back in his crib a couple of times. (laughs) Puts him back in his crib, and it just goes off like... Yay! Well played, Zenger. Well played. You did it. You did it, Zenger. You did it. Uh, yay! Uh, I got there. You got there. Uh, no. Okay. Just again, going further though. This episode is rather short on plot compared to the first one, but it's great because as I was 
as I was complaining about previously, where the first episode is just so frantic in its pacing, this episode slows down. You get to absorb what's going on. You get some moments where things happen. You get to soak in the environment, soak in the characters interacting with each other. It's not just trying to like get from point A to B to C to D. It's not trying to hit all those very specific plot points in the most efficient way possible. And I loved it. Like you actually got that feeling. Like think of think of the last like five minutes of the episode like after nick nolte ugnot helps him and he walks away we have like five minutes of no dialogue and it's just yeah. like the mandalorian looking at baby yoda and he's without die again folks you have no idea how rare this is he's contemplating <laughs> what to do with baby yoda with no dialogue we don't have inner speech bubbles or internal monologuing we you don't even just, have like his face to see like emotions on it he's portraying it all through like just subtle just movements breathing and patterns and movement. Yeah. And it's very and almost silent film. And, and, and it gets very desperate. This whole scene, it, uh, he pretty much gives up and I feel we all knew what might happen when it actually did happen. Uh, yeah, there it is. There's our, our old buddy, the force. Yeah. And that's, and that's the sort of thing that there's a lot, I guess the big thing is, and it's the idea of visual storytelling Versus narrative storytelling. And the way to go in cinema is, again, cinema is a visual medium. If you want dialogue that's just there constantly, go go see a Tarantino film. Go see it where the dialogue is quick and snappy. Yet, like, in Star Wars has never been, like, entirely visual storytelling. Because Star Wars is always dialogue heavy. There's things that have to be explained to the audience quick. But... That's what I loved about this was that it really leaned more into the visual storytelling. Like we could have very easily, like toward the end, where Ugnot Nick Nolte is helping the Mandalorian rebuild his ship, we get to see that. Like if this was any other movie uh, in Star Wars, we'd be like, okay, hey, I kind of like what happens in The Force Awakens. Ray's down there trying to fix something, and it's like, hand me the blah 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 piece. No, the blah 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 piece And we have all this dialogue It's like, oh god, make it stop, we get it Finn's a bubbling idiot, we get it, move on <laughs> Yet we don't have any of that We just see Mandalorian In his little cohort Fixing the ship, and then they eventually fix it And they have a heart-to-heart -heart. It's like, he goes, I can, I, I, I need a crew I can pay handsomely And, and, and again, very mysterious Ugnot Nick Nolte's like, I, I, I was in server 2 once I don't want to do it again and he's like, well, at least let me pay you half of the bounty for your troubles. Nope, you're my guest. I won't take I won't take payment. Well, all I can offer you is my thanks then. And it's great. Like it's it's shocking how different this is than like the first episode. If this was the first episode, I'm not Nick Nolte would have been like, oh, I have to go tend to my moisture evaporators because I've got to meet, I gotta go meet the Tatooine, uh, the new cartel on Tatooine now that Jabba's gone. It's like there's none of that. And that's why this is the second episode is like it's jarring in the best way possible is that it throws the nostalgia kind of out the window. And and that's why again I love it. It but feels like one episode. It, it if you it, I have a feeling that's why these came out so close together. That this is just if you watch these together as one, it might be it's probably a more satisfying experience, definitely for you. And uh, yeah, the whole the whole Nick Nolte turn him down at the end. It, it's like you you miss him and you know you're actually saying goodbye to this guy. Like I had a feeling of finality with him. I was like, oh no, yeah. I, oh buddy, uh, we love you now. Well, there's weight to it, and I think you you dialogue can't convey 
that sort of weight as much as human beings interacting with each other and when you look at that sequence you have and i think it the 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 actress i think it's an actress that portrays uh, not nick nolte obviously that's not really nick nolte under there for more reasons than one but look at that scene you have an actor under how many layers of makeup interacting with a guy in a helmet yet you're like you said russ they are conveying to the audience this level of finality to their relationship at least for the time being like that, I think about that. Like you're conveying all that through visual storytelling. That's a difficult thing to do. Uh, that's difficult to do on a good day. Never mind with all these layers obscuring actors' faces where they primarily emote. And that's that's the brilliance of episode two. It really is. And I, I really yeah, and hope- it had it had things like a a, a ship fixing montage almost, and it, it it slowed down and took like. It it sewed it all up. It felt like this was a single like it. Maybe that's how the show is going to be. Where it, it we know it's eight episodes. Maybe every two episodes is like a little mini arc, and we're moving into now moving on from this episode. I have questions, and I, I do feel like it might it might in some way play into uh, Rise of Skywalker. And it, it, it seems like it might have to. I, I think it has to. There's no. I think the reason, the fact that the last episode airs after Rise of Skywalker, they gotta tie it in. They they have to have. They had even if it's not directly. I'm like I'm not. I think someone eh, someone was making the joke on social media of like, wouldn't it be great if the last scene the Mandalorian is uh, uh, the Mandalorian dropping off Baby Yoda at Luke's Jedi Academy the night Kylo Ren goes on his massacre? Oh <laughs> it's, Jesus! It's like something like that. Like where it really ties. Like it hits you over the head with like tying it in. It's well, like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking more it like if we are gonna, because this is where my head went after the second one. It, it kind of reminded me of episode one that oh wait, they are Imperials who want this uh, this cute creature, but they know that this thing has extended life capabilities and extended force capabilities. What does this tie into healing their emperor? That this is somehow. That, that that this is the that key that we're missing that we're, we're all going how is the emperor come back how is that possible if they have him somehow alive and they take something from this creature and, and give it to him, yoda into him. And let him eat the baby yoda like that frog oh, oh no, no, no 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 i got it okay you, you you ready for a deep cut reference okay do it so they have um they have of course monster mash but controlling him in the center of him, much like Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, I mentioned Krang is Baby Yoda. <laughs> he has to Man? control. Well, I okay. Okay, um, I know everyone's shocked that I brought up Krang, so let that sink in. All right, well, let that sink in. Uh, I'll make my point, and it'll be really sunken entirely. But I think Russ has a point though with Baby Yoda, and in, in the fact that I, I hadn't even thought of the fact of the extent, the fact that they explicitly say the the long lifespan. That's a point I hadn't thought of, and you tie that into the whole thing with cloning and all that, and you can even I know that this is retroactive extrapolation, but even look back to what happens during Revenge of the Sith. Yoda and Palpatine are fighting in the Senate chambers, and the Red uh, clone troopers are like, there's no trace of him, my lord. And they go, and Palpatine goes, double your search. What if Palpatine wanted to take Yoda alive the entire time? What if he wasn't Uh. trying to kill Yoda 
and this was always part of Palpatine's. Again, Palpatine was always scheming. I think they've made that very loud and clear. Palpatine was always playing a long-term game, regardless of what the short-term was. And you tie that in, and I know I wanted. I, this is my fault, folks. This isn't anybody else's. But a couple months ago, I really wanted to do an entire episode on the gal. I'm sorry, the aftermath, Empire's End, Chapter 35. And I know I've hinted that a few times in the last few months, but in that chapter 35, and I'm honest to God, I would love to insert the entire chapter into an episode because that because <laughs> that chat because Russ listened to it. That yeah, chapter, good. that chapter. It hits you across the head once you know that Palpatine's coming back, that Palpatine was not dead. It hits you so far, like it hits you upside the head so hard. Palpatine's not dead. And considering that book was published in February of 2017, and I know all the Not My Star Wars people say it, they only brought Palpatine back because they ran out of ideas because Ruin Johnson ruined Snoke. No. They've been planning Palpatine coming back forever. I think that probably was part of the initial outline by JJ or Michael Arndt. That's been there since day one. And I think yeah, they've I been agree. A- I agree hearing that chapter. It is it is on the nose. It it, it it's been planned out for a long time since Force Awakens, it seems. And who's to say that Think about it. You have the Imperial Remnant with Werner Herzog. You have the scientist that's part of the cloning cloning group. They don't have to have Baby Yoda in, in his entirety in the sense of they don't need to have him like in a lab strapped up to a chair like siphoning his blood out. Because if you make a very uh, specific observation, Werner Herzog says... We need we need the bounty alive or dead. The scientist freaks out and he goes, I'm being practical. But if all they need is the infant's blood, they don't need the baby to be alive for that. All they need is a DNA well, sample. And in IG eighty I mean IG eleven even said uh the 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 um we're supposed to bring him in debt, like we can bring him in dead. Yep. And then that's that that's what causes that that whole issue to spark mm-hmm. between the two of them. Is that uh, Mando's like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I feel like I feel like whoever sent IG-11 and, you know, we're going to get ahead of ourselves. So we know a little bit about this show going in because it has been pushed that uh, Giancarlo Exposito is supposed to also be some kind of imperial uh, holdout leader. Yeah. Yep. I think I think IG Eleven has something to do with him. I think whatever his faction is is not the same as Werner Herzog's faction, and there are, are battling Imperial factions over a baby Yoda, whether they want it dead or alive. Which this, I think, that's what's going to be the next two episodes. I think we're going to see Giancarlo in the next episode, and I, th- I don't think the things are going to go well going back with the baby. Well, the well, the plot of this whole show now. Is going to be Mando because now that Baby Yoda saved Mando's life because we get a very and again this goes back to your Kurosawa Kurosawa cinema is that uh, in the second episode Mando's fighting the the not Reek and he gets beat to hell the Mudhorn like, oh is that what it's called sure Mudhorn I believe sure <laughs> okay <laughs> I like how everybody's responses it oh is it okay. I just like how everyone's knee-jerk reaction is sure. It's like it's fine. If, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. If it but, moves this conversation along, sure, as long as yeah. you get from point A to point B as fast as possible. No, but like we get that sequence that after the Mandalorian has been beat to hell a few times by this thing, after it's trampled them, it's random that he's sitting there, pulls out his knife, and he's in a very 
defeated pose like he has he's holding his knife out in front of him kind of realizing that this is again i i cannot move i cannot die i don't have the energy to dodge and evade this thing anymore so i my only last resort is literally having a knife at my chest and if this thing charges me i might get lucky and hit a, a very specific organ and at that because again the, the mandalorian's kind of assuming this is his last act in life and it's not until that moment that baby yoda realizes this and like you guys have already said the force gets involved and Baby Yoda saves him. So now the Mandal as weird as this is to say, the Mandalorian owes Baby Yoda a life debt. Ooh, and there's the, and there's the plot of your show. There that Ooh, is the next yeah. six episodes, folks. There you go. And Boy, that's he doesn't understand that it's the force, does he? They say the yeah, X. He says because even uh Ugnot, Nick Nolte says, like, what happened? And Mandalorian goes, I have no idea. Yeah, he's like I. He, so he's evidently he's already. I love that little uh, interaction because it implies that he he kind of hurriedly told him the story. And he's like, "Wait, can you want to tell me what happened again?" He's like, "Well, I I don't know. Whatever I told you, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel like he's gonna go back. He has to talk to his own people. He, the, maybe Baby Yoda has to become part of his people. Like, uh, this is oh gonna set gosh. off some conflict." Can I get Baby Yoda and a Mandalorian armor, <laughs> like tiny Mandalorian? <laughs> They do oh say what was the doesn't the armor forger person say something like this this piece of uh, Beskar armor or uh, steel will help a bunch of foundlings? Yeah, yeah, so I it's, think it's whatever. Possible. Yeah, whatever the runoff is of just him getting that pure piece, uh, whatever residuals I think they use to make the the a lot of a lot of Mandalore, a lot of that lore uh, in those packed in that first one. Also, kind of cheating here. I know from like watching the trailer and stuff, there is stuff later where you see the chest plate with that nice silver yep. look to it. So obviously he's going to get some more. And uh, okay. So I, I just got a question. Cause this, this, so this he show gives has the baby up. Oh, he has to give him up. Oh no. Uh, yeah, I mean, there <laughs> might, <laughs> there's, there, there's other ways. I'm sure. Uh, the, the other thing I just wanted to point out and get your guys' opinions on how do blasters work? Like <laughs> seriously, in Star Wars, how do blasters work? Because IG eleven gets hit like five or six times and just barely gets nothing. Um, Mando gets shot four times, I think, in the series so far. Mostly hitting. I know IG eleven definitely hit his newest piece of armor. Yeah, I mean, and, kind of made that's a point of showing that, and and it still knocks you down. But he's yeah. got the good enough armor that would probably take out a stormtrooper. And I think they've established that those aren't all death blows we see. That every a lot of people are getting uh, knocked out on a GI Joe style. I don't know how to put it. <laughs> I just was wondering because uh, IG takes a few from that uh, machine gun and just well, kind of just gets up and is like, whatever. Well, I'm, okay, something specific to this. When I was reading the uh, Galaxy's Edge Black Spire novel. They mention a couple of times in there, and again, this is all regarding the First Order, not like Imperial Stormtrooper armor, is V. Marathi makes a comment like, if you're trying to shoot Stormtroopers, you can't aim for the armor. Because they can, the armor for the most part deflects shots or is able to absorb them. You have to shoot, when you're trying to kill a Stormtrooper, you have to aim for the black pockets in between where the armor goes together because <laughs> those are the weak points. No, she says that because she had a couple times she's training people who aren't really, that are new kind of recruits to the resistance. And she says, if you're going to go after a stormtrooper, you got to be accurate because you can't give them a second to shoot you. You have to go for like the space between like the helmet and the chest plate 
or the arm. Like if they're holding the gun in their right arm, go for like the elbow, like where you can see the elbow joint. And I think maybe that's what it is. And plus you are dealing with criminals. Like we see when a uh, squid head, when he's right before he's caught in the aperture of the door, he shoots the Mandalorian and, and he basically, he hits him in what the right shoulder plate. Yeah. Same plate again. Like the yeah, same. Pl- the well, same it's, it's from Star Wars. It's, it's not, he hasn't gotten the new plate piece there, but it is that same spot. Yeah, and plus these guys are bounty hunters. They they're not exactly uh, just like they're battle hardened. Like mm-hmm. they they're not just simply buying their stuff at the dollar store, hoping like okay, hopefully this will work. It's the idea of like I'm like this is my livelihood, and by livelihood I mean my life. And unless I pour the appropriate resources into this, uh, I'm not going to be hunting uh, hunting bounties for much longer. So, and also the other thing, I he has all like that. We point out there's a lot of circuitry and stuff. Who's to say there isn't like a slight deflector shield that like you can have on your person or something in the Star Wars universe? Sure. Like to where it, it as long as it's not taking a direct hit, it kind of will like have a few shots go off of you and everything. Because none of them have been like he's gotten shot directly like in the chest or anything. Also, I do want to point this out because it's something I noticed watching it today and I'm going to keep forgetting about it. And it's a detail thing. When he's walking through like that canyon with the with the baby Yoda, um, where he's turning and looking, you can see the um, the people about to ambush him jumping back and forth over the canyon in his helmet. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice I, I didn't too. I didn't notice that the first time. The second time, I was like, I just I was like, because it's weird because the helmet comes into like focus, and then as soon as it comes into focus you see something moving on the helmet and it's the reflection of that. And I'm like, that's actually really cool. Yeah. Just, and I like how the, he's doing this without the, uh, the, he doesn't have the little Boba Fett tracker piece or the Jango Fett little piece to come down. He hasn't upgraded. We see other Mandalorians with that, but he doesn't have that. He kind of just has his own uh, instincts in that helmet. He has, he has a flashlight it's, there, right? Does he have a little flashlight yeah, there? Yeah. It's an accessory you can attach. Oh boy! If you find if you're looking for the Zuka, you need that. <laughs> so I guess to to conclude, does anyone want to talk about the weird Jawa egg moment with the furry egg? Sure, the Zuka. I, I loved. I I love that the whole mission of that was for them to just get this egg, and we. I know, just like you guys, I I didn't know what was going to happen when they had the egg. Whether are they going to keep it? Are they going to sell this? Is something going to hatch? But no, they just cut it open and just be the disgusting Jawas that even C three PO warned us about. Disgusting creatures, <laughs> and they just they 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 buy they just do the most disgusting thing you've probably ever seen since Borgullet. They're just gross, and that it plays perfectly into what we've always thought about Jawas. They're just I can't abide these creatures. I I want at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge the Jawa Cad- Cadbury egg. <laughs> oh my oh. god, yes. <laughs> you get it, they bring it to the table, like one of the like the cast members has to come over with like a machete and slice yeah, the top the of it off for you. Slice the top of it off, and then you like pull and eat like the cream goo out with your bare what, hands. What, what, was everyone sitting at the table and go, Ooh, Exactly. You don't get any unless you do that. Maybe Perfect. at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, someone will do a lightsaber. That'll be the final yeah. thing. They'll, they'll celebrate with a Zuka. Finn will have it all over his face. Paul Dunk will do like a Zuka stand. It'll be fun. It's like the Ewok celebration. Gross. Okay, one, one thing. <laughs> I don't I think anyone likes Zuka stand. <laughs> I apologize for that. And I will be quiet. 
<laughs> one thing I did like about this, and this is again, you're, you're more of your subtle character development, and just it's a, if you're gonna have there's so much. Well, no, no, well, yes, but a moment in this that I would prefer they would do like it's fan service versus a just fun moment in the show because it again the the Jawas pillage his ship, they strip it, and Nick Nolte Ugnot helps him locate the Jawas that stole from him. And they go down, and I love the whole like kind of like initial like translation between with uh, Nick Nolte Ugnot and the Jawas. And it's like they don't really like you. Well, I did disintegrate a couple of them. And I'm like, I'm laughing my ass off at that. And then eventually, like Nick Nolte Ugnot calms the Jawas down. He brings the Mandalorian over. And then like while that's happening, the Jawas are checking out like the little like uh oh god, the little like cart yeah, behind well, yes, the cart with the Yoda baby, and he sees him, he's like, "Get away from there!" Like, I, I love that. It's like, like this again. It's character development, and then the, um, the Jawas say, "What? Well, uh, they're bartering. They're bartering with the, um, bartering with the Jawas." And at one point, one of the Jawas makes a comment about the Mandalorian. And he starts to flamethrower it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and he That's says, great. "You don't speak Jawa too well, because uh, uh, Mandalorian you, you sound, tries you sound to speak like a to him." Yes, that's he says he sounds like you sound like a Wookiee, so he goes, you I bet you can understand or I he, he starts to flamethrower them and then like Nick Nolte Ugnot calms them down. It's like he's in he, like Mandalorian turns around, goes, he, they sure understood that, didn't they? And it's, like, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Like that's that's because, of, well no, it, it's that's great character development. Go go ahead and finish. I, I got that, something for it. But that's the thing I what we need in Star Wars because if this was the fr- if that sequence happened in the first episode, it would have been oh god something something Boba Fett like it would have been something that's nostalgia driven, and it's like again the flamethrower if anything is more Attack of the Clones oriented, but at that moment I wasn't thinking about Attack of the Clones. It's you're in the middle of a scene, you're locked into the universe in that very specific moment, and you have the the quick like witty banter between the characters, and, it ha- and the moment happens before you even have a chance to even predict it. And that's that's what we should want in Star Wars in general. Star Wars should be moving so quickly. In the sense of like when it is dialogue, that something spontaneous happens that feels natural that's not rooted in the past. That's kind of what we should be going. That's what they should be trending towards, not this nostalgia crap. In the fact, it, it that was they, a, it was a long play to even get there because he tried to use it on the blurg in the in when he first got there. The mm-hmm. blurg bit his arm, broke the thing. And when Baby Yoda's trying to heal him, that's what he's fixing is that thing. So it actually paid off a long yep. thing to be doing. Like, oh, he can fix his own stuff. He's not that incompetent. And he's not, you know, because you see him fail a lot, but he can still bring himself back up. And he, yeah, he fixed his own flamethrower on the fly while carrying a Yoda baby. It was impressive. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's what I want, folks. It's, it's not what I want. It's what we all need. Well, no, the, the thing I like is I feel like there is a lot of great um, character development and lore development, sorry, Mandalore development um, <laughs> in the fact of there. there's the mention of, you know, uh, guns are, I mean, weapons are my religion thing. Is is yeah, that pointed great, out? Great American meme, all you non-Americans. We all, yes, <laughs> you're right. Our weapons are our religion. We get it. So, so there, there, there was there was that alluded to in there. Um, 
I, I don't there, there's there's something going on. Where we're going to find out a lot about Mandalorian. I'm, I'm trying not to do the joke, but it's so <laughs> it's just such a it's 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 like a I trip over it. It's so low hanging of a fruit. <laughs> um, it's I mean, we because because we got like his flashbacks are going to guess eventually be explained. Uh, the whole like lore of them getting this this the Beskar steel and everything, and also him like getting kind of taking it personally when um when he gets called out on not being able to ride the creatures. Which, by the way, the the creature design for those and, and that that them them riding those was such a great scene. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was very Ray Harryhausen. It was it was very stop motion looking. I, I enjoyed it a lot, even though I believe we've. I think these creatures are in one of the Ewok movies, but I'm pretty sure Those they're also canon. in either either Rebels or the Clone Wars. I'm pretty uh, sure. I'm pretty sure them. it's Ewok. I'm pretty sure it's the Ewok Adventures thing, Rush. I, think I take correct. it back. I take everything I, I said back. I also I think, think they're either they're in one of the animated things too, which we're like, yeah. all right, come on, we've seen. Uh, if we're watching Sindel ride these things, come on, dude. <laughs> she didn't ride them; they were enemies. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think I. I really don't have much to say about the Mandalorian like in the sense of like discussing the first two episodes. I, I think we've kind of touched upon all the major beats unless there's something you guys I'm, want I'm to bring good. up. I, I'm excited for episode three. I'm excited to, to hopefully discuss this more later. I mean, Zach, Zach's always sitting there a constant fear of a Star Wars drought coming to us. And I'm like, if this is what the future holds for Star Wars, if we don't have movies, I am... I am very okay and on board for with whatever happens. Yeah, I will say the people in my life, I've uh, my, my my kids and and friends and nephews, uh, everybody that I just speak to on a regular basis are all very excited for episode three. And hey, that's a good thing, man. Bring people back into Star Wars fold. Just start making more good stuff like this. It, it, it's it's a good time. Uh, also, I want to point out that before we record, I rewatched episode the episode two. Of this and uh, Liara was sitting there with me, and she was supposed to go upstairs. And um, when Ellie yelled down for her to come up, she goes, "I'm watching Star Wars." So there's, See, there you go. I'm yeah, watching she, Baby Yoda, and I love yeah, it. that's that's what she was tuning in for was Baby Yoda. But you know what? I'll take it. Christmas is coming. Hey, Zach. God, uh, all those stuff. To you animals. think, Zach? I know you love your marketing, buddy. <laughs> you think they're gonna? You think they're gonna have Baby Yoda out in time for uh, to be in everyone's stocking? <sighs> I say that, yes. That, Just say yes. I don't know. Like that's the timing. All we've season. seen is that we've seen that fake pop on uh, our on the Facebook group. You proved that you debunked it. That wasn't real. No, that fake. wasn't me. That wasn't me. Oh, somebody debunked it. Yeah, I saw it immediately. And people were like, is this real? Because take my money, take it all. I will die for Baby Yoda. <laughs> I think that has to. There's gonna be something. They they can move fast enough, I think. My thing with Baby Yoda is that <laughs> I would like I would ima- I like to imagine is that George Lucas was given a complimentary like screener of the Mandalorian, like I don't know, sometime in advance, whether it be a day, week, month, who knows? And yes, he's sitting right. and he whatever, and he's sitting in his screening room with like his like a hundred inch like state-of-the-art like 16k television that like tells you like the winning lotto numbers a couple of weeks in advance <laughs> and he's watching the mandalorian vision exactly and he's watching it and he gets to the point with baby yoda pauses it 
turns the TV off, like takes his shoe off and throws it at the TV because that was the greatest merchandise idea possibly in the history of the franchise of Star Wars. Better than Ewoks, better than all the nonsense that came with like the prequels, Baby Yoda is going to sell more merchandise than possibly any other single piece of like character merch. In, in the thing that's just it's it's literally a license to print money and i hope whatever executive at lucasfilm came up with that got like the raise to end all raises because of it yeah uh talk about being spot on and and we thought we were getting the grittiest hardest edge most crazy star wars ever and we love it and then we see the absolute Ewoks go away. Porgs is over. Crystal Foxes. It was never happening. You got <laughs> baby, Yoda. baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is just so much more. And everyone, a, a great play. I mean, I it, it, it it's astounding. It, it seems like it was almost there in front of our face the entire time, and someone someone pulled it out in a in a in a great fashion. So it's kind of shocking. It took them this took them this long to do something like that specifically. So what you're saying is I should take all these porgs that are staring at me on my desk and just throw them out. That's exactly what I heard. Baby Yoda's. When Baby Yoda eats a porg in episode five, I'm just going to go, oh, Baby Yoda. Oh. We yeah, even saw him do a prequely thing of eat a frog. That was very prequely. At least he doesn't fart or burp. There are, there no, are certain Ross, lines. Ross. That is not a prequel thing. That is a clearly a Jabba's palace because Jabba's the one eating the frog. That yeah, is a, you're right. That, that's you're right. an original trilogy callback. That is not a prequel and, callback. And they are, but they are staying away from prequely callbacks. Look, Mandalorian, we're two episodes in. I'm watching. Nothing's farted. Baby Yoda <laughs> did burp. I'll give him a pass. He did burp, but he's a baby after all. Yes, and Mandalorian should have been burping him. And let's hope we see some of that in episode three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god folks oh my god where are we okay so i guess we're wrapping up this conversation now um i have a couple of this question i actually have uh questions about i guess the mandalorian covering it going forward because again we get a new episode every week until the end of december but so far our calendar is completely booked up with non-mandalorian related topics so my question to both zenger and russ as well as the knights of vader audience is do you want us to wait until the show is completed to do another recap? Or I'm sorry, to do an episode like this where we discuss everything? Or do you want us to do two episodes at a time until eventually we run out? Or we cover maybe, we do a, a really brief synopsis in the other episodes? Just, just I'm asking you and I'm asking the audience. I think wait for... Uh... Look, we don't know. They've already dropped bombs in the first episode and two. Maybe just take it episode by episode. If two episodes go by and we cannot help but to talk about it endlessly, then go with it. If it kind of rolls on a little and there's other things going on, yeah, we can wait. But the thing is, don't we get the Rise of Skywalker a few days before the finale of Mandalorian? It's. I think it's like a week. I think it's. It's a couple. It's a few days tops. Yeah, it's kind of wild. That, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I say we just play it by ear, but Zanger, what do you think? Uh, I will say this. Uh, it already has been discussed. Zygnus will cover it in its entirety. I'm not going to do an episode thing because that's what we're doing here. So, I mean, I'm, I'm down to do it on both is what I'm saying. Sure. The only problem, though, about doing it, playing it like loose and fast 
is the entire month of December is booked up with topics. Like there are more topics to be discussed in December <laughs> than there are Thursdays. So it would eventually, again, I'm not well, extra episode. Yeah. But yeah, that's extra work for Zach to edit, but I, I'd be willing to do that. If the audience wants us to discuss like two episodes at a time, which would mean at least three more Mandalorian oriented episodes. If the audience wants that, I will gladly put in the extra man hours, but at the same time, though, I don't want to just release content for it to kind of just sit there. I like this reaching out to the audience. This is like the Mandalorian reaching out to Baby Yoda and touching his fingers. <laughs> but speaking of the Knights of Vader audience, and specifically the Facebook group, I'd like to thank everybody for... I kind of had a trial run by being very hands-off because I, for the last few months... I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to handle people discussing the rise of Skywalker in the Facebook group. Cause I know the moment that movie comes out, everybody and their brother and the group still want to just talk about everything that happens in it. And at the same time, I don't want to drive away people who haven't seen the film yet. So I kind of had a, a plan for the Mandalorian in that we're going to have spoiler threads or posts where I will make a post that says like, this is the, Mandalorian season one episode three spoiler thread keep all spoilers to this episode here because we don't want to infringe upon anybody else's again people people aren't not everybody can just sit down like the moment these episodes go live at like three in the morning and be like num 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 we're gonna consume them people do have lives so I I like to thank everybody in the group was respectful nobody spoiled anything for anybody so I like to thank the audience and that kind of gives me a nice idea of how I'm going to handle it when it comes to uh, the rise of Skywalker in a month. That was nice that uh, that you did that thread because I I think you would put up the episode two went up pretty early. And uh, man, I gotta admit that I've, I've, I never do this. I watched episode two on my phone at work that morning because or that afternoon because. I, I look, I didn't want to get, I already saw episode one. I was like, I don't want to get spoiled. I need to see what happens. And I hate watching stuff on my phone, but I sucked it up and watched the first one there and watched it on a nice TV later. Yeah, that's, and that's what it is, though. A lot of people do want to sit there getting on the ground floor, but just time doesn't allow it. It's like, as much as you'd like to be up at 3 a.m., which is when these episodes go live, it, it just, that's not doable for most people. No, and it's not. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why I was like, let me just get in. I'll I'll watch on this bad thing just to get the content and enjoy it later because it was weird. All that all those sand crawler scenes were so well done. Uh, that mm-hmm. whole a little great little action scene. It, it's it's one of those shows that you talk to somebody you be like, yeah, it's all action. They go, no, well, actually, there was two action parts in the first one and two in the second one. Even though the second one was a lot slower, but yeah, a very memorable, great stuff going on. Yeah. So uh, it'll be fun, folks. It'll be fun to see what happens. So uh, with that being said, anything else about Mandalorian episodes one and two? Not at the moment. No, all right. You all good, Mando Russ? This is your titular show. Oh, so good. Can wait. Check out. If he doesn't do it, we'll just spin off the old Mando cast ourselves. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader on the Facebook, and you will see us there waiting for you. Find us on Instagram, at KOV Podcast. Email the show, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever, podca- or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Anspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. Knights of Vader t-shirts. 
if you're interested, go to knightsofvader.podbean.com or check out the show notes to find the link to order yourself your own Knights of Vader shirt, which I'd like to thank everybody who's ordered one so far. It's absolutely delightful. And remember, keep in mind, to create a little bit of a scarcity demand. Uh, T-shirts are only $20, but starting in the new year, they will go up to $22 a piece. So get one for a family member, for yourself, for Christmas, for the holidays, or just in time for the Rise of Skywalker. You decide. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter. At Cinemodis. And you can also hear me on the Cinemodis podcast where we'll be discussing Dragon Blade. Yes, it is a Chinese film, one of the first like foreign blockbusters we've ever discussed, starring Jack Chan. What? Some of John Cusack's nicest work. Go on. You've seen that? Oh yeah, okay. You did you did you see that movie, Russ, or did you listen to the episode already? Both. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, I have. That's incredible. I'm, 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 I'm impressed, Ross. I am genuinely impressed. Zanger, where, before you get into your moment of Zang, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the Zingness podcast, uh, talking about nerdy topics every week. We got some great, uh, if you're into, um, I guess the best way to put this is, if you're into a compare and contrast between a movie and a book, there's two of those on the way. So look forward to those. And um, I have spoken. Oh, oh I, got, I got to do the moment of Zang. Um, also, Zach, I did have the ending to it spoiled for me because thank you, YouTube, for immediately posting a like the the image was of the final person. But the reason his lightsaber is so long is because it's his master's double bladed lightsaber. He is also a larger um, being. So that's the other reason it's a little bit bigger, too. Oh, okay. How about it's that? It's a lightsaber that gets the like bottom half of it blown apart. Interesting. So that's Whoopee, why. Huh? And you can mm. also in the game use a double blade lightsaber as well. I think you could actually dual wield, single wield, and have double bladed. So, how about that? All right, Russ, what are you up to? Uh, you can always find me at uh, the Unbelievers podcast. Uh, new episodes coming out. We just hit one year of doing shows. And yeah, uh, new episodes coming out next Wednesday. Unbelievers podcast, uh, paranormal comedy podcast. Check it out. Yeah. Cool beats. All righty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, remember all the run. Down with the Empire. Thank you, Luke.